All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Baguette Boys podcast. I am joined here with my fellow Baguette Boys, Richie and Connor. Woo-hoo. So today, uh, we'll be talking about a bunch of things, but just to give you a little recap about who we are and what we're doing, we're a group of three best friends that anyone could ever have, as, uh, as Connor once said, that we're pretty much just trying to find some level of success in our, in our lives um, and just try to take you guys along with the ride. We find that people nowadays, I mean, people who you see are successful, they just kind of say, hey, we're at this level and this is what we did, but we want to show you the steps that we take to get there and I'll take this together with you, our listeners. So today I want to pose a two-part question. The first part of it, I think, is very important for us to define, which I want to ask Richie first. I'm going to ask you, how do you define success? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, yeah, so I think I take the definition of success based off of what John Wooden says. Um, I've thought about success for a long time. I read a lot of his books growing up. But basically what he says is that success, uh, the definition of success is, um, dang, I'm blanking on it now all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing you did the best of what you are capable uh, so for me, what it basically means is it's very subjective to what you think it is. It isn't a number. It isn't, I need to make this much money. Uh, I don't need to be a millionaire. I don't need all these different things because you could be, I think I mentioned this last time, you can be the most rich person in the world, but uh, you'll be successful in that aspect of your life. But that doesn't mean you're going to be successful in various other aspects. So uh, with that said, I think that there's two cornerstones to success, which is effort and enthusiasm, as John Wooden said in the Pyramid of Success, which, uh, you know, every single day you wake up with those two things. If you try to focus on those two things, you know, you're put in a good position um, So waking up with effort, give, give yourself good work ethic and uh, do it enthusiastically, support the people around you. Yeah, killer answer. Um, for those that don't know, John Wooden was a legendary coach about UCLA basketball. I have his book. I highly recommend it to anyone who's on this journey with us. So great answer, Richie. I'm going to toss it over to Connor. How do you define success? You know, I read a quote, uh, not the other day, but it's been sticking around, but it's success all depends on the second letter. And when you read the word success, the second letter is you. Ooh. Um, you are are able to do anything that you want to do. You know, sex, success is not an accident. It's, it's hard work. It's perseverance. It's learning. Uh, it's studying. Um, but it's ultimately the love of what you are doing or learning to do. Um, so success is, is very subjective, like Richie put it, and enthusiasm and direction um, are the keys there. Great answer. Short and sweet. I like it. Um, for me, I would like to also quote <laughs> something. For me, I'm going to quote the late, great Nipsey Hussle, one of his songs, Face the World. The lyric goes, victory is when you spend your time right. Victory to me is when you get your grind right. Victory to me is when you get your mind right. And I think that is a killer way to, to, to put it. I When I listen to this song, it, it just makes me feel like, you know what, I'm I'm doing me and I want to put be successful in my own right. And I think what the common theme between all three of our answers, which we did not plan, by the way, is very much the subjective nature of it. And I think that is something that is very important to realize, that success is not uh, predetermined. It's not material objects. It's not money. It's very much the 
subjective nature of it. And with that, I'm going to get into today's topic, which given that success is subjective, um, I think there is an aspect to it that is very much happiness and doing what you want with your free time and enjoying that activities you do. And today's topic, I want to bring up, how do you start and maintain a new hobby? Especially in today's world where we're so interconnected, where people want to fit in and do all these things, kind of what we previously talked about in one of our past podcasts. How do you, Connor, find the time to start a new hobby and what do you do to maintain it? Um, you know, it's tough, you know, especially if you're a busy person, finding time out of the day almost seems impossible because one, we don't have anything written down. So everything's stuck into our head. And so we're just so mentally exhausted that, you know, even our eight hour work, de- our eight hour work day can um, say, oh, we don't have any extra time. But yet you could wake up a little bit earlier or you could, you know, not sit on the TV and watch, uh, you know, watch your favorite show uh, at night. So all of us have somewhat time and if you don't have the time you're probably already heading towards success because you're filling your time hopefully with <laughs> strong um strong things to sending you towards your goals um but you know starting small is the easiest way to do something uh, even if it's a larger goal find a way to break it down um, whether it's you know wanting to ride a motorcycle you know having steps to take into place you know you need to start small and you need to work your way there so uh First off, it, it's got to be measurable. You know, you always go back to that smart using uh, terminology. But, you know, starting small and creating that base for yourself so you can w- have the small wins. That's what's going to keep you going. Um, start having something small and then working your way towards that bigger goal. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's, I mean, you, you, you nailed it. Finding the time in the day to actually start a hobby is important. But starting small, incredibly important because if you start too big, you're going to get overwhelmed. And on those, those SMART goals you talked about for our listeners, SMART goals stand for specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and I think mm-hmm. time-bound. So mm-hmm. those are those are the five pillars of the SMART goals. If you follow that philosophy, I think it's a great way to start, give you a little SMART start. Hey, boom. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I'm going to toss it over to Richie. How do you, how do you start your, your hobbies? I think it's a difficult question. Uh, I think right now we're in quarantine, so it's something that you should be potentially trying to do, uh, or hopefully maybe kind of, you know, you have all this extra time. Most people aren't commuting or doing these other things anymore. So you do have an extra two hours, maybe a day. Maybe you do that for a hobby instead of watching TV, like Connor mentioned. But, you know, I think something as we get older you you mentioned or nobody mentioned actually but uh something that we think about um is when you retire you know you have to pick up hobbies and one of the things like when my grandma was getting older she picked up all these different hobbies and found all these different passions and things that she didn't do when she was younger like art and painting and um you name it right and so there's all these different hobbies out there i think for me the way i see it is basically you got to just try things, um, try it, try and fail. I think we mentioned that last time, you know, try something new, see if you like it. You never know if you're going to somehow find a passion here or not. But I think that, you know, pick something small, try it for a week, try it for a month, you know, and kind of build off of that, build some momentum there. You know, if you don't like it, you know, after the first month, 
you know, fine, don't don't keep doing it. You know, do things that make you happy. But I think sometimes you do have to give it a, give it a chance too. So I think uh, ultimately, uh, for me, you know, I think find something you're passionate about. Uh, what Google it if you can't find something. Um, ask your friends what they're doing. I think we don't oftentimes ask our friends. You know, we we ask, hey, how you doing? But we don't often ask, you know, other questions. Maybe see what they're passionate about, what other hobbies they're doing. Um, maybe they just haven't talked about it yet. So, anyways, that's kind of where my head's at on that. Yeah, you know, I, I especially like that last part you talked about asking your friends. I think that's a very underrated thing nowadays. Uh, we rely on social media so much, but you don't really get the full picture of it, right? For, for lack of a better word, we we see what people are doing in real time, but at the same time, we don't hear like the excitement behind their voice. And I think that is a very driving factor in a lot of people's mentality to to choose a hobby. Um, the other thing I like that Richie said was talking about TV. I think <laughs> a lot of us all love our TV, all love our Netflix, whatever, what have you, and I'm guilty of it too. But I, I think that sometimes we rely on it too much for comfort. Um, and just recognize, I think recognizing that, just recognizing that in your own life is very powerful. And that's like the smallest first step you can take, and it's super powerful. So I, I challenge everyone to, to try and do that. Um, but Richie also said something that I want to touch on that I'm going to ask a question to Connor next, which is, starting a hobby and just not even just finding it but how do you how do you get over that anxiety or fear of doing something new right you you're not you're doing something that's completely brand new which for some people is super exciting but for a lot of people is is terrifying and and how do you get over that Connor? yeah i mean it definitely goes to the subjective point of view uh when doing something like that and i kind of have a first-hand experience being fitness instructor um knowing how fearful some people are coming in and trying something new you know, sometimes people have never lifted a weight in their life and they're coming in here vulnerable. And that's a very tough thing for a lot of people to do is be vulnerable in situations. That's why people go back to their comfort zones. And that's why people will sit down or message people, hey, what's a new Netflix series? Not even a show or an episode. What's a new series I can watch? And of course, it's like the 10, ep- a 10 series episode and it fills your, fills your week of 80 hours um, that you had of spare time with just this show. And that goes to show, you know, um, how much extra time you do have, especially in a, in quarantine in that sense. So, um, just kind of working towards, um, I lost my train of thought completely. Sorry. We, we started giggling cause you said goes to show talking about shows and it was a, it was a good pun. Well, I, I started giggling cause I was thinking, dang, that sounds like my Sunday every Sunday before I get the Sunday scaries. I, you know, I'm sitting here watching Netflix probably the entire day on Sunday and I'm like, all right, I got to get back to work next week, but I could definitely be doing other things um, to counter my Sunday scaries with a new hobby, hobby or something. So, anyways, but, no, yeah. I mean it, it's definitely true. I mean, uh, you, I mean it's funny. I'm sure you're not the only people that are kind of looking at this and listening to this and going like, "Damn, I do that." Um, but you know, filling that time up with something new, and not a lot of people, a lot of people are in that comfort zone. You know, they don't want to do anything new because they don't feel like they need to do anything new. And that's when it becomes a problem because then it starts to manifest into something bigger and greater and not putting action towards certain things has more consequences than a lot of people realize because it's not, you know, instantaneous. It's a long lasting effect that takes into place. If you're not willing to jump out of that comfort zone and try something new, you know, uh, I, I feel like that's a huge problem that we are in, in these days is, you know, the comfort zone and, and not wanting to do something out of our comfort zone because it's either hard or it's, you know, discomforting, uh, ironically enough to, to say that, but just got to start somewhere and, and 
being vulnerable, I think, is is the number one way of doing that and being okay with that. Yeah. I want to before we wrap up this little part of the the topic, I do want to say, Connor, I want you to hit us with that that couch quote that we talked about before. That I think oh, nailed, that, baby. The hardest squat is the one off your couch. As soon as you Very start true. walking off the couch, it's a lot easier to do anything. So get off your damn couch. <laughs> I think that's a fair analogy because I think when you like, when you actually get to the gym, you're like, well, I got to put in work now. Like, I think that's the hardest part about the gym is actually getting to the gym. Oh, and of course. Once you get there, you're like, well, I, I might as well put in the effort now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yep. that's the next step. And a lot of people don't even have that kind of attitude. They'll get to the gym and not not necessarily put the work in, but I made it to the gym. Let me do X, Y, and Z. And you know, eventually it'll start to get easy and then they have to increase it again and get out of their comfort zone even more. But yeah, I mean, getting to the gym is one of the hardest things to do. Getting and doing something is the hardest thing to do. But getting yeah. one squat off the couch, you're up standing. All you got to do is walk now. And everybody knows how to walk. <laughs> it's a natural thing that we do. So yeah, walking. Cool. And the last thing I want to say on this subject, um, when Richie brought up the Sunday Scaries, just tidbit into my own life, I reserve Sundays or I try to to kind of do my week in review. I use a software to like kind of that plans my life besides my calendar. And I just kind of review all the projects I have going on. So whatever that looks like for you guys, and this, I guess, is geared to Rich, towards Richie in this uh, this podcast right now. Just maybe maybe set, 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 aside time, set aside some time on Sundays to just review what you got going on in your life whether it's work hobbies tv shows i ha- i literally have a spreadsheet for the anime i watch to keep track of everything and i, re- and I review it you know it just keeps me kind of on top of it i'm a nerd and that's I like something anime. else right there baby <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about that but <laughs> you don't gotta be as crazy as me all right i'm just saying Super structured life take 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 an hour or two instead of watching netflix to just be like oh these are my goals how am i doing this week yeah i think there's a it's funny that you mentioned that because i think as I relate this back to work in some level, there's the, there's this thing called agile, there's scrum and every, you have these scrum is basically saying, Hey, you have this sprint and this sprint, every sprint you have goals and you try to accomplish these different things. But then there usually it's around two weeks or one week sprints. Uh, every week is basically our personal sprint for, and we, you know, at, at the end of it, you should have some type of, retrospective on the on the topic and i think that's what you're mentioning here is basically what's my retrospective of my own week did i accomplish my goals did i do well did i do poorly i think we do that on this call also yeah um, in a lot of different ways so like how are we doing to our goals and how is it measuring to the, the greater goal that we have around success yeah that is that is a great start for doing something new if you're not somebody who one journals or reflects on past experiences because one thing I learned from sports is that film is necessary and it's a necessity anywhere you go because seeing what you're doing wrong or just even thinking about it, that self-reflection is so, so important. Self-awareness is the name of the game. But all right, as for the next question, I'll ask you guys, getting back to specifically about hobbies. And as our podcast relates to success, I want to ask a question around what a lot of people think is success, which is money and material objects. So should you try to monetize your hobby or should you even try to pursue a hobby that you know you can monetize in the future? I'll ask that to Richie first. There's two different ways that I think about this. 
if you have a hobby and you're trying to monetize it, does that make it a career? Um, or otherwise, do you, are you passionate about it? And if you have to put it into a career, would it continue to be fun for you? And if it's not, then maybe that's not something you want to monetize. For me, I think that there's two, there's a separation. There's there's some level of separation. I think of a hobby is not necessarily your career. Um, it's something that you do on the side that you get enjoyment out of. And if you make that into your career, I don't think it necessarily is a hobby anymore, but it could still be something that makes you happy and it's something that you're passionate about, but I don't necessarily think of it as a hobby, if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, I think it's a very important distinction to make where, where, where hobby ends and where career begins, whether they can overlap. I think that's also a very subjective part where people have to an answer those questions for themselves hopefully in the journal they've been starting, but who knows? Yeah, I think, Derek, to pa ask the question back to you, Ooh. specifically because computer science, right? Yeah. Uh, where does separation happen for you between career and passion or hobby? Because you, in a lot of ways, you might be doing something that's both. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a killer question, especially because one of my, my long-term goal that I've been making my monthly goals is creating my own portfolio website as I'm trying to do this career change to do more web development. And it's, I, I think, I think where the career bliss as people kind of say it is where your hobbies overlap your career, where you can say that you're for your career, you're doing what you love to do. I think that's the conventional answer. But at the same time, I think the thought that I've always run with is that when you do something for a career for work, it's inevitable that some of the joy is being taken out of it because it's not as innocent anymore. And that's why I think internally why I've always been trying shying away from doing exactly what I want to do um, just to get a little personal with everyone. But at the end of the day, you do need to enjoy what you're doing, whether it's for work or not. So I think to me, emphasizing your hobby over your career is, is a much better way to go. So I know that with web development, I'm going to be doing this as a hobby, but when I make it in my career, It'll be a little bit less fun, especially if I work for someone else. But at the end of the day, I'm doing what I want to do and pursuing the hobby that I love. Um, so I think that was an amazing question, Richie. So I'm going to pass it over to Connor to, to answer this this question. Yeah, dude. Richie, how could you not mention uh, the book that you made me read? <laughs> I'm leaving. I was letting you, I was letting you oh, get Oh, you were getting away from me. Oh, how kind of you. Well, we read a book called $100 Startup, and I was trying to find it, but I can't find it. And I wanted to tell you guys who it was from. But... It is pretty much talking about people who had hobbies that ended up monetizing it and creating a business out of it. Now, most of these businesses weren't, uh, they were career shifting. So like these guys were just talking about when does it become, you know, not a hobby anymore if you're going to, you know, make it your career. Um, but a lot of these actually were doing side and side, you know, they had their career and they had their hobby and their hobby was X, Y, and Z and they were profiting off of that. So I don't think there should be, I think you should be able to maximize any, any opportunity that you have in a sense, even if it is a hobby and if it's uh, a dull in the market and you feel like you have some type of way to penetrate this market because you're unique, absolutely you should go and try for it. Nobody's saying that you have to spend, you know, 800 hours a day on this hobby to create it, uh, create a business from it. You just need to, you know, do one thing at a time and, you know, eventually the hobby may, it may be six months down the road until you make $5 off of something, or it may be, you know, a year until you do that. But 
it's got to be a hobby for a reason and hobbies are meant to be fun exciting and that's the subjective point of view is like what is your favorite thing to do what are some of your favorite things to do and if there is a market for it yeah absolutely go and try for it but if there's not like it doesn't matter that it's still your hobby yeah very good point just i think another way to think about what connor just said too is like if you're trying to make a business out of your hobby while you are trying to make money out of it you're, you're a lot of people their goal is to share their hobby with the world and share that same passion and joy with the world you know especially with like music artists in general I'm sure they love making tons of money if they make it very successful, but I think they get a lot more joy out of giving other people joy from their, their hobby, you know? So I, I think would that's very a- much agree with that, especially in the music industry. Now that it's, you know, digitalized, <laughs> right. um, any, anybody's able to create tunes now and that's where you get to really see the uniqueness and in individualism. Um, that's, that's taken uh, the music industry by storm, but I mean, it just goes with everything. Try it. But, but I think also don't, don't ruin the hobby if it's going to you know put you put stress onto it. Yeah, the way well I think we're a lot of the hobbies that we've mentioned thus far are like things that are totally monetizable, versus like I want to do I want to paint or I want to do something that um, I want to pick up a hobby that maybe isn't monetizable, right? Like I want to do something. I can't even think of different hobbies right now. I don't know why. But, um, that's, but because, that's because you can make money off of anything. Anything. True, you can. <laughs> Correct. But I think, you know, I think there's there's a lot of hobbies out there that, you know, you just want to do it because there's a separation here from reality. Um, and it takes your mind off different things, right? If we take it back to, like, the whole thing I mentioned earlier, which is like, hey, I have Sunday Scaries on Sundays. Uh, you know, if I'm going to pick up a hobby here, and I think when I think of doing that hobby, realistically for me, it's more about, I know this is, this is just something that I want to do from a break from reality to just enjoy my time here um, and just get some, get some mental break from the world, I guess. Um, and it doesn't have to be something that's monetizable. You, you don't, I don't think you have to go that way. Uh, and I, I don't think anybody's mentioned that you have to, but um but I think to your point, Connor, is like, yeah, there's a there's a book by Chris. I think his name is Chris Galliampo. Um, in any case, and he mentions specifically that if you have a hobby, um, you know, any hobby can basically turn into something monetizable if you decide to go that route. Um, but with that, you also want to be passionate about it in some level too. Um, it's not always just about money. It's about finding joy in what you do. Yeah, definitely. I can't. I can't emphasize enough the, the subjective subjective nature of your hobbies and your success. You you got to do what's right for you. So if exposing your hobby to the world monetarily is not right for you, just you know you got to figure that out. So um, moving on from that topic, I want to talk a little bit about the the ending part of hobbies because obviously most are very temporary since we all try very new things and we might fail at trying certain hobbies or not just not like it. How do you know when it's time to move on from a hobby? I'm going to toss this question over to Connor. Yikes, man. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's good. Uh, of course, the, we've been throwing around the word subjective all day today. Um, and it, again, is a very subjective point of view. But as soon as you start to not enjoy the hobby anymore is the immediate time I stop that hobby. I may go back to it at some point, but it's there's a clear line. If I'm not enjoying something, I'm not going to waste my time and do something. Uh, I, I 
would hope that I have better things to do in my life than to still do a hobby that I'm disliking. Like if I was going to the gym 24 seven and then all of a sudden I, I didn't like going to the gym, I might take a break from it because that's what I need to do. That's where I feel like I need to, to separate myself. And I may go back to the gym or maybe I find a different workout routine or a different sport to keep me active, to keep me going. So I think there's, there's a variety of things, but for me straight up, if I'm not enjoying myself anymore, you shouldn't be doing it. Don't force yourself. Don't do it to please other people. I've went through that. Uh, do it because you want to do something. Um, ultimately, it's your life, baby. We're just living in it. Preach, brother. Preach. <laughs> All right, Richie, let's hear from you. Well, I think it's a bigger question than just obvious, too. I think it's when do you just say, you know, I've already put too many chips in here. I keep losing. I'm over it. I got to leave the table, you know. Uh, like the gambling analogy there. But, um, you know, I, I think it's tough because I was just mentioning this with you guys earlier today, which was, you know, I've been doing this workout program for a while. I don't necessarily enjoy it. Should I keep pushing through it or do I just switch to one I know I might enjoy? Um, and I think it's tough. I think you have – there's a balance here. I think for hobbies – you know, I think you have to give it with anything, really. I think you have to give it a little bit of a chance um, before you can say yes or no. And with hobbies, I think, you know, if you gave it the good old college try and then you were like, yeah, I'm good. I don't enjoy this anymore. Then, yeah, you should bail and you should try to do it immediately and cut it out once you know. But I think that there is a line that you have to cross, which is I gave it I gave it the try and I know I'm not going to enjoy this any longer um, because I think we oftentimes cut things out potentially too, too soon and we didn't really give it the try. Um, and, and like we've mentioned, it's subjective how you're going to know whether you gave it the try or not. Um, and then once you know, you should cut it out immediately. I think there was like the, then the whole Netflix thing and then it turned into a huge challenge where everybody's like, cut the things out of your life that don't bring you joy. I think hobbies are the same oh, way. Marie Kondo. Exactly. You cut it out immediately, um, and and then that gives you opportunity to find a new hobby that maybe does bring you joy uh, pretty much immediately, or hopefully you know, you get to keep trying and trying, and if you fail, fail fast and, and move on to the next one. Yeah. What, do you, what, do you, what do you have to say about the people who constantly try new things but constantly fail? Mm -hmm. To keep going, to keep pushing? Yeah, like, what, so, I'll let you finish. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. That, that was it, man. That was I was going to say, well, I was going to say, so it's interesting. There's a, a podcast I used to listen to called Hidden Brain, Hidden Brain on NPR. And there was a, a, a segment on grit and pretty much how we usually look at gritty people as as such a positive thing and they can like grit it out. You know, they're, they're in these situations and they can grit it out. But like, at what point does grit become a bad thing, right? Like if you spend five years on on something and you haven't really made a lot of tangible progress is that that's gritty but at the same time are you really enjoying what you're doing so i, I think that's alluding what you're alluding to where especially if you're trying all these new things and there's a point where it becomes almost not helpful or not beneficial to your life right mm, yeah so i it's i mean i think after a while people will start to glean insights on what they're better or worse at or what they do or don't like. And I, as long as you get that feedback, in my opinion, then it's not a, a total wash, right? Even if you failed at all these things, you can kind of pick and see 
what you're better at. Like if it's sports, you're like, oh, I'm more coordinated. So maybe hmm. basketball, soccer, football versus like, oh, I'm better individually. So maybe golf or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I was thinking more of just like bouncing around. Like look at what hobbies you've tried. And if they're all in the same genre, I put that in air quotes, like completely go to the other side of the pendulum and try something different. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times we get stuck into that, like, I'm meant for this. Um, when some people just don't know, and they continue trying to do the same thing and, and be in the same field when you just got to give it a shot and try something different. Yeah, very true. Sometimes you got to just hit the reset button or do something completely out of the ordinary and see how it goes. And that's yeah, a scary thing. Terrifying. It's exhilarating. I'm not going to lie. It's very exhilarating, but it's terrifying. I think what you mentioned earlier about that, like retrospective on Sundays, you don't have to do that in all aspects of your life, though, so, to understand that. And like doing a retrospective on, on it of itself of what hobbies you've done and tried. So to bring it back to Connor's question, like if I if I look at my retrospective of all the hobbies that I've done, and I know I'm not enjoying these, that gives me the opportunity to then search for something else. Um, and, and like you mentioned, a new genre and a new area, new practice of something. So I think taking that retrospective to understand like why you might be failing, failing uh, in quotes, um, to ultimately help you decide, you know, what, what that next thing might be. And then kind of asking your friends, you know, I think having those conversations with your friends are deeply important. Very true. Cool. So we are near the nearing the end of our podcast. Um, what I'm hearing from you two on this topic that I want to say as my last closing remarks uh, reminds me of this effect known as the Dunning-Kruger effect, which pretty much it's a graph of your confidence on the y-axis and your experience on the x-axis. And when you start, your confidence is high. You're like, hey, I'm new at this. I can. I think I can do this. Let's do this. And then you quickly realize you don't have a lot of experience. It goes very, very much down. But the point is, as you stay within that hobby or that field or whatever, it starts to come back up and you actually become your confidence and expertise or enjoyment, whatever you want to call it, meet at a certain point that's high on both. Um, I just want to highlight that for what we're talking about with failing a certain hobby or an activity. Yes, you might not be good at first, but certain hobbies, like Richie was saying, with like working out, there's a certain gain to, to toughing it out. Um, but we talked about this many different ways from all the different angles about when you should or shouldn't quit. So it depends on what you're doing. Um, I think a lot of hobbies you should stick it out for a little bit just to see you get the the true taste but i will pass it off to connor for any closing remarks habits and goals and and everything in between are, are tough to tough to maintain tough to set but having a group of people around um the baguette boys for example are are there to push each other and to push people and you need people in your life that are going to help influence you to do new things so grateful for these boys right here um and excited for the future Cool. Ricardo, close us off before I give us a little challenge, you know? Yeah, I think for hobbies, you should try to talk to your friends and see what they do. I think that we can all introduce each other to new things and help each other find joy in different aspects of our life, whether that is hobby or something else. Um, and, and really having deep conversations there. I think we that's something I think we've been trying to do. And I think it's been ultimately very effective for us in all different areas of our life. Uh, in terms of hobbies in general, you know, fail fast. Try to do things that bring you joy. 
don't get the, don't sit on the couch all day on Sunday uh, like me. <laughs> uh, but if you do, it's also it's also all right. Um, but yeah, I think you know, try new things. Don't be afraid to, and uh, try to have fun. There we go. Get outside That's- that comfort zone. Yeah, take that uh, that first squat off the couch. Yeah, baby. So trademark that. As, as we close off, we like to give each other and our listeners a little challenge. This week's challenge, I like to relate a little bit to patience as we're talking about these hobbies and that patience to stick with a hobby up front. Um, I'm related to a little bit of my moral philosophy, which right now we're in this pandemic and you don't need to immediately order things online and get them right away and get them in two days. You know, with, with Amazon, that, that happens all the time and they're, they're getting, they're doing very well amidst the time where a lot of people are not doing very well. And I like to challenge all of us to go directly to the retailer site. Um, it might take a day or two longer. It might take a week, but we really don't need to be that impatient when it comes to ordering things online, right? If Obviously, if we needed it, we can go to the store and go get it. So I challenge all of you for at least a week to not use Amazon, to order directly from the retailer site, support your local businesses, and let's get these baguettes, boys. Get that bread, baby. We out. Peace.